My name is Audrey. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, control, and fear. Hello. I accepted Christ at a young age, and going to church was a part of my family's Sunday routine. My parents were quick to move on, and we jumped from church to church for years. My mom was busy raising four kids, and my dad buried himself in his work. I knew I was loved, but I did not receive the protection and care that I needed as a child. My older brother began watching my little sister and I undress when we were in elementary school. I trusted that a blanket my mother nailed over the swinging doors that joined our rooms together would keep me safe and stop the behavior. It didn't. He just admires you, my mom said when I approached her again about my brother's lingering looks and his desire to find a girlfriend with a body just like mine. Posing for a picture, my grandfather whispered in my ear not to stand too close to him because I was turning him on. My uncle always commented on everything I wore as his gaze followed every step I made. I could not rationalize why it was acceptable for some family members to treat me this way or why I was dismissed by those entrusted to care for me. Excusing and minimalizing these experiences led me to feel confused, unheard, invalidated, abandoned, worthy of, unworthy of care, and silenced. A deep resentment toward my brother grew and splintered to my parents, blistering into bitterness and unforgiveness. Being objectified as a young girl followed me into adulthood. I quickly fell into inappropriate relationships with men. Guilt, shame, and lies about my self-worth engulfed me. In 2014, a broken engagement desperately drew me back to the Lord, but I rejected that Christ died for my sexual sin because I believed that my sin was far too expensive. My sin needed extra time on the cross with more nails, so I nailed Jesus to the cross daily by punishing myself and believing damaging lies. I snuffed out my true identity in Christ. When charges were brought against my oldest brother by another girl's family, my bitterness swelled. Could this have been prevented? Why wasn't I protected too? I became judgmental and critical, valuing self-protection, power, and seeking justice as a way to control my fear of future harm to myself and others who were also silently overlooked. I began to believe that God's timing for justice was far too slow and that I could do a better job on my own. Every relationship in my life had become fractured and the festering sore of unforgiveness continued to spread. I withdrew and locked myself in a prison filled with bitterness and resentment, thinking I was holding power over others by choosing not to forgive them. In reality, I was drinking poison, hoping that someone else would die. Decades of carrying my bitterness, punishing myself and others finally became too much to bear. In God's kindness, he sent my sister to confirm what his spirit was gently nudging me towards, recovery. I desperately wanted to be healed. I decided to move 900 miles back to Dallas to attend Regeneration. I heard about Regeneration years before, but part of me was not looking forward to moving back to my church home. Frustrated by what biblical community should look like, dysfunction in my own community groups and my avoidant responses and conflict left gaping wounds on both sides. In a church that declared diversity, I didn't see that when I looked around. I saw a sea of likeness mingling with likeness, bias, missed opportunities, a lack of education, and insensitivity. I felt invisible, less than, and like I didn't belong. I moved back to Dallas in July of 2020. Fear of seeing individuals who had hurt me kept me from attending Regen for a month. I was so internally focused that I could not see the beginning stages of the Lord redeeming community in my life. Groundwork was a blur because of the steady stream of tears that, that sprang forth from my eyes as God began to use the curriculum to crack open my hardened heart. Through the encouragement of my step group leaders, I looked at the abuse supplement, convinced that it did not apply to me. 
It was there that I discovered the definition of sexual abuse. Any sexual activity, whether it's verbal, visual, emotional, or physical, engaged in without consent, which uses one person in order to meet another person's sexual or emotional desires. The cost of speaking the truth was terrifying when I had already lost so much in the silence, but the relief of finally having a name for what happened to me was incredibly freeing. In step four inventory, I began to see the extent of my sin and how massively entangled it is. I also began to see the infinite depth, width, and height of forgiveness covering my sin because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. He wanted me to accept the truth that he had paid for my sin once and for all. He did not need me to continue to nail him to the cross again and again because he was no longer there. It is finished. There was nothing else I needed to do other than fully accept the free, grace, free gift of grace that he had patiently been revealing. Step five, confess. I knew this would be an incredibly humbling experience and had such peace in sharing my inventory because I knew I would be met with love. The weeks leading up to my confession, the Lord placed a song in my heart. The lyrics read, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. The great healer was cultivating my heart and it was beginning to bloom. When my mentor arrived at my confession, I was overcome with emotion upon seeing what she had in her hands, a beautiful bouquet of my favorite flowers that my sister had arranged. Step eight, forgive. I struggled with letting go of the power I thought I had over those who had harmed me. But then I read, what if God forgave my sins the same way I forgive sins against me? Would I be reconciled with God? I was at a crossroads. I could choose to ignore God's command to forgive, or I could be obedient and wholly surrender my desire for justice to my Abba Father. In the Step 8 Forgive Abuse Supplement, I realized that Christ knows our pain and shame. He knows what it means to suffer innocently. In fact, Christ was a victim of our sin. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I hurt Jesus the same way others hurt me. The insecure foundation that I used to justify my heart posture came crashing down. I fell on my knees, bowed down, and totally surrendered. My view of God was corrected. He is great defender, good shepherd, provider, and just judge. Life after recovery is different because I am different. I have been made new and trust that Christ's blood was enough payment for both the sins against me and for my own sin. My bitter, heavy heart of stone had been softened. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jesus alone is the life-giving wellspring of my soul. Satisfaction cannot be found anywhere else. Being honest about the abuse in my life has created space for relief, grieving the loss, forgiving my abusers and my parents, and finding freedom. I am hopeful for continued conversations in this area, knowing he can restore the years laid waste by the pain of abuse. While forgiveness is not my demand for justice, it is a decision to give my claim for justice to God through Christ. I am free to walk in my purpose of living in relationship with Jesus. The Lord has provided a group of women in my life who are for me. Through the promptings of the Holy Spirit and living in authentic community, I am keeping short accounts by continuing the steps of inventorying my sin, confessing, forgiving, making amends, and pursuing reconciliation. Every day I must choose to surrender my will, my daily will, to the Father's good and perfect will by releasing my hurt and trusting justice to God and exalting Christ above all else. I am extending grace, pursuing peace, 
and inviting conversation about race as I trust the Lord with his plan for increased diversity in the church. When encouraged to lead a step group in region, I laughed because there couldn't be someone more inadequate. Yet, here I am. I have chosen to walk through the steps again, peeling back new layers of pride, control, and fear manifesting as codependency and misplaced identity. I am learning that sanctification is a process and that I must be willing to change. Not every label given to me, spoken or unspoken, is my identity. I am filtering through my Father, wondering if God wants to or can use me as a lie from the enemy. I am not disqualified because of my past. I have been ransomed and unshackled. I am blameless, seen, welcome, and worthy. You too can find healing through the only source of life, Jesus Christ. Surrender whatever you are holding on to today. My name is Audrey. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, control, and fear. I marvel at the work of the Lord in my life, and to God be all the glory.